pull up a seat to the edge table with Nicole Biscotti and Melissa Seiboth. Welcome. We're so glad that you've decided to pull up a seat to the edge table. I'm Melissa Sidebotham, and I'm here with my good friend, Nicole. Hi, I'm Nicole Biscotti. The edge table is a place for parents and educators to share ideas and perspectives. This has become a critical conversation given what we're all dealing with at the moment and the impact that it's having on education and on our children. Today, we'll be discussing homeschooling strategies since everyone in America is now homeschooling temporarily. All right, and we've got a fabulous guest panel set up for you today. First up, we've got Chris Felicello. He is a district administrator from New York. Hi, Chris. Hi, Melissa. How you doing? I'm really glad and and excited to be joining this panel tonight and talking about this important topic. Um, Here in New York, things have definitely gotten uh, strange as as we prepare to to change our paradigm a bit and, and provide students with instruction in a different format. And, and it's something new to all of us and something that we really didn't even think about a month ago and, and things certainly have changed. So important topic to talk about and excited to talk about it with so many um, people that are interested in it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Taylor Armstrong is our next guest panelist and he is the assistant director of technology and he's from Alabama. Welcome, Taylor. Hey, well, hey, it's great to be here. Uh, just excited to be able to talk. And and I know there's a lot of uncertainty now, but the great part is for people like me that do technology every day, uh, we have plans and we have a lot of ideas and, and we're here to help in any way that we can and just make the process better. Wonderful. And then the last two people on our panel today are our parents, with both of them have experience with homeschooling. First up is Lori. She is a mom from California. Hi, Lori. Hi, Melissa. Nicole, thanks you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I have uh, homeschooled my three sons up until my oldest wa- finished seventh grade, and now they're in the public school system. And so um, I'm excited to be here. I've mentored quite a few parents who s- transitioned to homeschooling over the past few years. And now I'm excited to help all of us uh, parents who've suddenly found themselves with uh, homeschooling their kids at home. And so um, I'm happy to share my experience with everyone. Well, we're happy to have you share that as well. And then we also have Jen, and she's been homeschooling um, from North Carolina. Welcome, Jen. Hi, delighted to be here. Um, uh, My experience with homeschooling, I homeschooled my uh, youngest son for the latter half of fifth grade while waiting for a placement at a private school for special needs children called Hope Creek Academy. I'm currently conducting home learning in collaboration with Hope Creek's teachers and staff in response to the North Carolina Governor Cooper's executive order uh, requiring schools to close for at least two weeks in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. I just really want to thank you all for being here and taking the time. I know that we're all very stretched um, with our jobs transitioning as parents, um, with being concerned about our family members and our safety. And I really just applaud all of your passion for education and your dedication and sharing your experience. Thank you. The first question that we have today is, what is your experience up until now with homeschooling? 
So if I could direct that first towards Chris, please. Sure. Yeah. Um, as a district administrator, my current position is the assistant superintendent for educational services. And one of my responsibilities is to be the liaison between homeschool parents and the uh, and the school district. And, and even though once a parent begins to homeschool their child um, and they're no longer uh, officially tied to the school, it is my responsibility to ensure that there is uh, the proper paperwork is filled out. The um, individual home instruction plan is filled out. I can point um, parents to the appropriate resources and the guidelines from New York State, which is the state that I'm in. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, really hearing Jen and Lori and, and people that are doing it and have been doing it a long time, I, I think they're going to be such a big resource for all of us who are in the brick and mortar schools as we kind of transition for an extended period of time into a, a homeschooling type of environment and eye learning type of environment. So, um, you, you know, I, I know a little bit about homeschooling, but, but really I'm, am excited to tap into that resource to those parents that have been doing it for a while. Yes, Chris, I think that one of the, the beautiful things about what's happening right now, because we have to find the learning opportunities, of course, and the blessings, is that this is going to really hopefully create a stronger partnership between parents and educators. And we're realizing, um, or maybe valuing a little bit more overall as a field, how much parents can contribute to the education experience and, and their important role. Um, Taylor, what until now is your experience with homeschooling? So I have a unique experience because um, I've worked at three school districts and I've also worked at two um, universities. And so with those, one of those universities, I was a coordinator for academic support. And that, you know, entailed all the online learning and, and all those things that went along with that. Um, and, you know, being a tech director at my former school and now assistant director at this school, uh, a lot of that has gone into it. Even at my current school, we have online students who uh, we call them homebound students. Uh, they, they have chosen uh, for one reason or another to do school at home. And we support that and we give them devices to be able to do their uh, schoolwork if they need it. If not, they can choose to do their own. So I do have a little bit different experience with that and with supporting that. And just um, I've also been a system administrator for two different learning management systems uh, for online schooling and, and things that go with that. So I have a literal different experience as far as delivery, but at the same time, um, as I'm sure um, anyone that truly homeschools their child, it, it's completely different than a school environment. It's just completely different the way you do it and the way you deliver it. And uh, they know more than me the, the in and outs of the day-to-day -day things. I, I know more of uh, how the system should operate and how we can support the children uh, and support the students, but they are the you know ones that are there with them every day and know a lot of those things that can help. And, and for me, it's always been about give me the feedback that, we need to to help you with what we're doing. What do we need to change and what do we need to do to make it better for you? It's interesting because as you speak, Taylor, I'm thinking about the word delivery because all of a sudden delivery became a logistical, I don't even know the word, uh, nightmare because we basically as a country had to roll out homeschooling um, in like two weeks or three weeks across, across the board. So delivery I, I, is obviously a, a critical piece, but it's interesting how it is a partnership between learning how to deliver those platforms and then also the delivery in home, 
or in terms of the instruction strategies that would be very different. So I, I see where it's a big partnership uh, between the two sides. Lori, what has your experience with homeschooling been up until now? So as I said, um, I have three boys and I homeschooled them from the time they were in preschool um, up till my oldest was uh, finished seventh grade. Um, I, my oldest is autistic and my second oldest is um, ADHD. And so it was quite challenging homeschooling those three um, boys. Um, But homeschooling gave me a lot of um, flexibility, I guess is the best word. Um, in giving them each what they needed in our home environment and um, preparing them, I think, in the best way I could for when they were um, ready to go into public schools, I think is, I think, um, the best way of putting it. We went into schooling eventually only because um, my health deteriorated rapidly at the time. And so um, it was out of necessity, but it ended up being a, a, a great thing for all three of them in the long run. Um, and they are now incredibly socially active in the, in their public school environments. Um, but um, homeschooling was a great challenge and a great reward in um, and what we did do when we were at home. That's interesting how um, you were able to be basically more responsive to your, your children's unique needs. And that's something that we really want to explore in this conversation about homeschooling is that for kids with special needs, but really kids in general, is this an opportunity right now while we're all temporarily homeschooling to um, allow our, our children to explore some of their own interests and have a little bit more choice and flexibility and, and meet their needs um, yeah. a little more individually also. Absolutely. I think really parents should take this opportunity to um, to let their kids uh, explore, as you said, their, their own interests and their passions and um, see what they really, really love and do some learning on things that they wouldn't necessarily get a chance to really explore deeply when in their regular school environment. That's a great opportunity. Thank you. And Jen, what has your experience been with homeschooling until now? So I don't have quite as much experience, but uh, I had to pull my son out of his previous school. He just wasn't getting his needs met. He was actually suicidal for several years, and he was just continuing to go downhill, and he was getting further behind. He has a host of um, learning disabilities, ADHD, and anxiety disorder, and um, at some point, we just had to make the decision to you know, place him elsewhere, but we didn't have a place secured quite yet. Um, we were in the middle of fifth grade, um, but his situation was serious, and the psychiatrist really wanted us to just, you know, get him out. And um, she recommended homeschooling. And uh, we used that as a stopgap until he got his placement at uh, Hope Creek Academy. And it's actually worked out fairly well, in fact, so well that um, the director of Hope Creek actually has 
uh, suggested to other parents whose children are ha were having difficulty transitioning from the previous school to Hope Creek to actually do Hope uh, to do homeschooling as a way of um, of transitioning. Uh, and for us, you know, it was an emergency measure, <laughs> and and so I was. I mean, I literally one day uh, withdrew, and the next day started homeschooling with really not much other than, you know, that some things that the teachers at the previous school had handed me, you know, to, to help me out. Um, but I think, you know, at first I, it was, I, I didn't think I could do it. I was like, what, you know, what am I going to do? And it, it quickly became apparent to me that this is not, you know, you don't have to have like a big lesson plan. You don't have to have, you know, everything all planned out down to the T. You can really see this as a journey, a path that you can take at, at whatever pace you need to um, take, whatever kind of path you need to. There's no one way to do it. Uh, and we soon, like I think within about a week, kind of settled into a nice rhythm. Um, uh, I I chose to do a collaborative approach, which allowed my son to take some ownership and some control, in the, which helped him reduce his anxiety over schoolwork. Uh, and it really got him invested in his own education. So, um, you know, and, and it opened up the lines of communication because he was having a difficult time. Um, part of his uh, plethora of special needs is in difficulty with articulating and communicating his emotions and needs. And so actually being able to homeschool opened up the lines of communication, finally gave him that environment he needed where he had the time uh, and, you know, the pressure taken off uh, where he could uh, take his time to articulate and communicate how he was feeling. And we were able to get down to a lot of like the root causes of where his struggles were, uh, where his strengths were that we could leverage. And, you know, so it was such a process of discovery for us. And we were able to take all that we discovered. And then when he transitioned to the private school, able to share that with them, uh, and they were able to leverage all that that we had discovered. So it, it really was a very, you know, it started out as a, an experience that was in an emergency fashion, but it ended up such a positive experience. I'm glad that that worked out for you. And it's interesting because when you're talking about it starting out as an emergency, um, that's sort of how I think a lot of parents are feeling right now for different reasons, obviously, um, external reasons, not reasons related to their child um, necessarily. However, it sounds like you built a really strong working relationship and collaborative relationship, like you said, with your son. So hopefully that this is an opportunity for families to come out stronger um, at the end of it. Yeah, I think so. I think I, my my only advice to be to families is, you know, utilize this as a time to do that to to get to know if you if you've had a kid in a traditional school system, a lot of us don't really know what goes on in their day to day, and this is a chance for us to get to know them as a student um, as well, and and sort of get into in you know into their their heads and their hearts as to what their experience of schooling, of learning is. And it really uh, can create, I think, a lot of um, a deeper knowledge in a parent uh, on on how to talk to their teachers, whoever their teachers may next be, uh, if, if they do uh, go back to a traditional afterwards. I think those are all excellent points. Um, and it, it is interesting how everybody has a slightly different experience with homeschooling up until this point. Um, one of the things I'd like to jump into next is, 
delving into some of the challenges that that any of you have either faced in your past experiences or for those of us who are parents and newly homeschooling now, what challenges are you facing currently? So let's see. How about uh, Taylor? Can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you're facing? Yeah. So for me, um, I have I have kids spaced out all over the place, right? So I have one that's about to be 19, and then I have twins that are five, and then I have a three-year-old. Um, so teaching and learning is a little bit different for us, but it also allows me to focus on many areas. And um, for me, I think it's harder for me to teach the little ones than it is the big one because the big one can kind of take ownership of a lot of her stuff where my little ones are just like, I'm bored. I don't want to, you know, and, and it's for me, it's so hard. And I'm like, I am so glad I work at the district office now. Sometimes this is just really hard and, I, and it makes me really appreciate our teachers and our parents and all that they do with this. But at the same time, I also get to see it from the other side. And I say, okay, for me, like this last week in my district, we spent a couple of days handing out devices and handing out home Wi-Fi so people could have access to do e-learning if they didn't have access. And and so that was something that was very special to me, that we give them the access and they can still connect with their teachers and do things that they need to. But I've also been in those Title I districts where we didn't have money for anything, right? And you wanted to do these great things and you couldn't. So um, my biggest issue with it is just sometimes you've been doing this district level so long that you forget some of those little things that you always did that were just easy and you want to do, well, I can do in-depth this, this, and this, and it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be all that stuff. And I have to stop myself and go, just connect with your kids, just talk to them and let them see the joy in it. And they will help teach themselves once they're enjoying it. And that's my thing because each one of our kids is different. You know, just like I cannot teach the same lesson to each one of my kids because one of them might get it and the other two will be like, I don't care. And then my my oldest will be like, I don't even know why I'm in here. Right. So uh, for me, it's about individualizing it for each one of them and helping them, but also making multiple pathways for them. And, And that's my challenge with homeschooling is how do I make those multiple pathways and how do I keep consistent with who they are and not just focus on what I do? Those are great points. And I love how you brought out the technology, but also really talked about making the connection with your kids and, and building those pathways. So Chris, can you tell us a little bit more about your experience from the district level and 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 otherwise? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I really think that, again, as everybody's talking about the positives that can come out of this, and I'd like to, to think of myself as an optimist as well. You know, I think it gives us the opportunity as building level educators and and people that are delivering instruction in schools to to reevaluate our curriculum and what it is that we're trying to teach kids and break it down into what are really the essential goals and objectives of our courses. And, you know, how do we give students the opportunity to understand those those key goals and objectives and to play with them and to work with them and then have different opportunities to to be able to demonstrate competency in those areas? 
because too often in school, you know, for us, it, it's, you know, we have to, we have to cover everything. We have to check every box. We have to have our, our compliance and our grades and our, and, and all of our answers exactly when we say we need it in schools and kids that maybe work a little differently or, or access information a little differently um, can feel that they're being unsuccessful when actually, um, you know, in the long run, they, they may be better off for it. And I think that, that this whole approach can be a positive for all of us in seeing that and saying, yeah, what is it that a, that a second grader needs to understand in math or a 10th grader needs to understand in, in social studies? And, and what are the basics of that? And how can we work with that and, and provide them ways to, to, to access that information, to work with that information, to demonstrate competency information, and, and then move on and, and explore some of the areas that they're passionate about. So, so again, a definitely difficult situation that I think can make us better as an education system in the long run. Um, if we if we kind of look at it from a global and a, and a broader perspective. Absolutely. I think that you you bring out something amazing when you when you talk about how we really have to take a very critical look at the curriculum and what is really important and kind of pare away some of the some of the things that uh, that maybe aren't going to make as big of a difference in the long run. So that's it's a fascinating way to think about it. Absolutely. Um, how about? Sorry, mm-hmm. go <laughs> ahead. To catch up there, but absolutely. Even the grading piece of it all. You know, we're mm-hmm. so obsessed with grades and and scores and 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 check marks and points. And you know, maybe we can get back to a little bit more of authentic learning and a little bit more about tapping into student strengths and their passions and and really um, authentic learning and, and and use of that knowledge. Well, necessity really forces us to uh, to take those long, hard looks. How about you, Lori? What do you what do you see as the challenges that you faced when you were homeschooling back in the day, and maybe trying to manage your kids now that are back at home again? Well, I just want to say I love what you guys are saying about this authentic learning because really that's why so many people that are that are homeschooling from the point of wanting to homeschool. That's one of the big reasons why they do. Um, and I want to just address, um, I would say a challenge of homeschooling right now with the current climate with my three um, high schoolers. And, um, and that's acknowledging the fact that they're grieving, um, that these kids are grieving and, um, and so I have, you know, I have a, a, especially my junior and my senior, um, before the schools even closed, they were saying, you know, if school closes, we're probably not going to go back to school, mom, by, you know, before the end of the year. And after school closed, I had a lot of tears in my house. And, um, and so when we're working with these kids at home with school, we have to, Real, we have to give them grace and give ourselves grace in um, acknowledging that they're grieving the loss of things like proms and maybe even graduation uh, ceremonies and things like that, and or just even thinking about that potential. And um, and so, and then we as parents are also grieving losses. <laughs> Um, and so we have to give each other grace in, in these moments of, instead of just pounding in, like you're saying, lessons, 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 um, 
making sure we're allowing time for fun and allowing lots of time for socializing with their friends. Um, and so um, just last night, my three were gaming online with their friends um, and just laughing hysterically. I could hear them through the walls um, just rousing and laughing. And it made my heart happy because um, when they're at school with their, you know, they get so much social time. And so um, I just want to make sure, I just want to challenge everybody to make sure that you're, to not just focus on, you know, school, 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 make sure you're getting all this work done, but make, but we also need to be caring for their hearts during this time. So that's my, what I'm focusing on as the parent teacher right now. That's, that is so important. And I don't think that point can be, you know, made strongly enough. I, we just started doing, uh, trying to practice some Zoom meetings uh, with with my school, and just having that connection has been amazing. For I, the kids' faces, just light up when when they can see their classmates over the mm-hmm. computer screen, and and just I think you hit the nail on the head when you said they are grieving and it's yeah. not just the kids that are grieving it's the parents that are grieving yeah. and i can tell you i have a building full of teachers who are yeah. also grieving absolutely um, because life is not the same as it was just a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and and i think that point is is very well made now for jen when you had to make that transition and now also you're you're doing this again at home what kinds of what kinds of challenges are you finding um, when I was first making the transition, I think the greatest challenge was just finding confidence in myself to do it. Um, I think as a lot of people who are getting into homeschooling, um, whether or not they're choosing to do it or, you know, they have to do it as an emergency or, you know, sudden, there's a suddenness to it. Um, we all have that, you know, um, imposter syndrome, right? We all feel like I can't do this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough or whatever, you know, I think everybody has at least a few moments of those, uh, feelings. Um, and I would just say, you know, anyone who's listening to that and feeling that same sense in their situation, um, just take a deep breath and just say to yourself, this is fine. I've got this. I, you know, there is no rule. There's no one way to do this. And, um, you know, this is all dependent, too, on your specific situation. If you're getting guidance from your schools, um, I've got two different school situations. I've got the youngest in a private special needs school, but the oldest is in a public high school. Uh, The youngest is 12 going on 13. The oldest is uh, 16 going on 17. Um, And for them, with the Hope Creek, they prepared a few weeks ahead of time. They had packets ready to go. We came and picked up our packets. They've they've just been so well organized. It's been so easy to follow the script that they set up. And I really, I'm just there to guide, to tutor, to help my son if he has any emotional moments, you know, where he thinks he can't do something that's part of his anxiety disorder. I'm really more there just to be his emotional support than anything else. And then just to make sure he stays on track with the ADHD and help him out with a math problem here and there. I actually have a degree in mathematics and another in computer science. I'm a a freelance software engineer, so I have my own business, but I do that part time. Um, and uh, I, 
I just find that it was just finding that confidence in yourself and just don't worry. You don't have a plan. You don't have it all worked out. I would even say that for teachers too. It's like, we're all in this together. And I think we can just all find our paths together and we don't necessarily have to have like a big master plan for this. I think we all have our kids best interests in heart. And I think we can just find our way through this. Um, that's, that was my experience for the, the fifth grade. I guess I talked a little bit about the, you know, the Hope Creek and, um, that's going pretty well. Um, they're a smaller school. And, and so of course we get a little more attention from each individual teacher, uh, for the public school. Um, they've got a lot more kids, uh, you know, uh, per, per capita. Uh, but my older son is at the point now where he is fairly independent. He's, you know, he's only a year and a few months away from going to college and he pretty much already takes care of most of his education on his own. His school's fairly, uh, good about, uh, access, um, uh, to technology. They've given the kids Chromebooks and things like that this year. Um, so I, I think for me, I'm, I'm not going to really have to worry about the older son. I think he's pretty much going to be able to take care of it himself. I'll just be here to check on him once in a while and see how he's doing. Um, but I think I would probably reiterate what Lori said. You know, it's it's the emotional part of this um, that I, I, I think all of us uh, who are involved with these kids, family, friends, teachers, is to to make sure that they continue to have the emotional and social nurturing that they need. Thank you for, for highlighting that. And I also really appreciate you sharing your experience, Jen, and the success that you had with your partnership with Hope Creek Academy. I think that um, all of us right now can learn a lot from that. And I say that as a parent and as a teacher, because what I hear when you talk about your experience when working with the school is that they were very flexible in their role. And it allowed the space for you to be able to feel supported, whether it was as a homeschooling mother in the beginning, or then as um, a mother with the student, your your son, in the school, and then now again homeschooling. And I think that that's something that as educators, we really have to listen to and to open up the space for that sort of partnership, because everything has changed. And we really more than ever have to, to work together. Um, I'd like to move into the next question and ask you all if you've learned any valuable lessons from this experience. And I'd like to start with Chris. Um, from your experience as an administrator, I know that you mentioned that you did work with homeschooling parents initially, but now I guess everybody's a homeschooling parent. So are there any valuable lessons that you've learned so far in this experience? Yeah, I, I think probably the the best advice that anybody has given me through all of this is to keep it simple and don't expect perfection and worry about teaching our kids what it means to be a good person. And first and foremost, before anything, what it means to be a good citizen, a good family member, uh, because these are trying times and, and we want our kids to be well mentally and we want them to be well physically and we want them to be good people and you know the education is certainly important and, and we want them to, to continue to use their minds and to, to challenge themselves intellectually but before they can do that they need to be okay um, mentally and, and they need to be in that right mindset first and, and i think that that is first and foremost what we need to focus on 
And then as we start to transition into really delivering that important content and, and teaching those important skills, keep it simple. We, we need to know that it's not going to be perfect initially. There's going to be growing pains. But if we keep um, the hearts and minds of our kids at the forefront, then we'll be in a good spot. I think that is excellent advice, Chris. Thank you. And I think that um, people need to have that guidance right now from people in education and that assurance. I'd also like to mention that um, Chris Felicello wrote a great book with Gary Armida um, called The Teacher and the Admin, and they have a website where there's a lot of insight that maybe seemed relevant directly to educators before, but now that we're all in the education business, at least temporarily, um, you guys might want to check out. Taylor, what, what, is, what valuable lessons have you learned from this experience so far? Well, um, and I'll echo some of what Chris said. Um, for me, a lot of parents will contact me looking for logins for this or should my student be doing this or whatever it is. And, and you don't need to worry about those things. This thing, you know, this time, one, it's unprecedented. It's something we haven't dealt with before. And two, um, your kid doesn't need to be preparing for the ACT right now. You know, they don't need to be getting ready for a college entry exam, anything like that. Like what your kid needs right now is just to one, connect with you. And two, you can teach them a little bit along the way. Like for instance, the other day, uh, my kids and I had a picnic outside. And one of the ways we taught was because they're young and they're still learning things. We, uh, we were counting the grapes as we were eating them. We were, you know, doing different things like that, that allowed us to learn things but still had fun. And, you know, then after that, we went, went and read our book about Sonic. And then after we're done with Sonic, we're going to watch the movie, you know, things like that. They're fun and they allow the kid to learn, but they don't overwhelm them that you have to do school all day, every day. That's, this is your house is not a school building. Don't overdo it. It's, you know, this is unique waters that we're in. And, and, and I'm not saying you can't learn at the same rate, but it doesn't need to be a college campus. It doesn't need to be, we're doing this all the time. You've got to, you know, they've got to be comfortable. They've got to be taken care of. They've got to be connected with. And then after that, we can throw the learning in on it. And that goes whether on campus or off. The connection and the comfort is what sets up everything else. Let's not overdo it. Let's start small. And then we can build from there. And from that, you know, from laying that foundation, then we can start building the house. I think that's I think that's very true. Mm-hmm. And it's very reassuring, I think, for a lot of parents to realize that they don't have to have this major um, pressure. Yes, we want kids to learn. We want them to advance with the standards and the curriculum and not to lose time. But we are in very uncomfortable times right now. And that family time is, is really important. Lori, what would you say um, are the valuable lessons that you've learned from this experience or from your uh, prior experience with homeschooling as well? Well, as Taylor said, schooling at home doesn't have to look like school at school. And that's really the beautiful thing about it is you can learn from everything that you do at home, like, you know, learning how to do dishes and learning how to do laundry and um, working in the garden and you know, just doing life together is learning. And, um, and that's really, you know, the really beautiful thing about school 
at home, homeschooling. It's, it's life and it's learning about, uh, as Chris said, character building and, and just being a human being. And it's beautiful. And um, that's one of the reasons that we started homeschooling. But I also want to say that, as we were saying before, that um, you have to be forgiving of yourself and your kids and, and allow that learning curve. And uh, everybody's jumping in right in the middle or, you know, cold. Um, but even the most seasoned homeschooler, um, they start new year every year fresh learning in a brand new subject in a new grade. You know, it's not like they're a teacher that teaches the same subject over and over and over again. And they've got now a set curriculum. Uh, even the seasoned homeschoolers got to learn, you know, they've got to learn a new subject every year and a new grade level every year. And so um, we as homeschoolers um our, our nervous Nellies, I guess you'd say, all the time because we're constantly you're constantly learning new things, and so um, even like I said, the most seasoned homeschooler has to give themselves grace and be forgiving and and of them to themselves and not take it too seriously and learn as you go and just have fun with it yourself. So all uh, to all the parents out there that are you know just. Just be, have fun with it. Give yourself grace. Be forgiving of yourselves and learn with your kids. And that's the beautiful thing. Homeschooling is about loving to learn. Mm-hmm. For sure. Loving to learn. And that's so if you instill a love of learning with, to your kids, you know, um, that really, if if you can, if your kids can learn to love to learn and observe, then, there's so much out there that that kids can observe right in their own neighborhoods, in their own homes, in their own backyards. That sometimes we're just going so fast that we don't have time to do. I mean, there's so much learning that can be done right there just by absolutely. opening their eyes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look at a well, mushroom in the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really beautiful take on this because it makes it feel more like an opportunity and less like something that parents have to do that they don't necessarily feel um, confident about doing. Um, yeah, Jen, you can learn with your kids. Just learn with them. Exactly. Exactly. And we all need to always keep learning. So that's perfect. Jen, what valuable lessons have you um, learned from this experience? Um, since it'd been a, a couple years since I had homeschooled my son, um, and he's made so much growth at, at Hope Creek since then, uh, I, I had forgotten how much I enjoyed being at home with him and doing this with him. It was more difficult at that time two years ago uh, because of that emergency situation uh, in the the two years since he's been at Hope Creek. It's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a wonderful school, excellent education. They also have a very therapeutic atmosphere. So they have like the therapy dogs that come in. It's a, a volunteer organization comes in once a week and they can read to the dogs, talk to the dogs. Cause all the kids, no matter what disability the kids have at Hope Creek, all of them have an anxiety disorder, which is very commonly comorbid with learning disabilities or neuroatypicality or disabilities in general. Um, 
and uh, you know, just seeing uh, the difference between then and now, how much more comfortable he is being a student, um, uh, his confidence in himself. Um, I'm I'm learning that you know now I I can really enjoy so thoroughly uh, being his his parent teacher at home, and um also the ability here you know part way through his Hope Creek journey that I'm able now at home to to help him over whatever little humps he has right now. Uh, for example, with the writing, he is he actually makes it too complicated on himself. You know, he gets kind of writer's block when, you know, once he gets the confidence in himself, he can do a great job uh, with his writing assignments. Uh, so right now, you know, my I, I'm really enjoying the role of being able to help him find his confidence uh, in him, himself as a writer. Uh, so it's just, it's it, again, that bonding opportunity, like we had a couple of years ago, I'm like, I'm getting that a chance at having another one of those wonderful bonding opportunities. And it's, and, and, and that's just been thoroughly enjoyable for me. I love the fact that that bonding has really, has really come to the forefront for you. And I think for many others in this whole experience, um, one valuable lesson that that I have taken away from all of this is flexibility, because not only do we need to be flexible and and show grace to our own children and, and ourselves, but as an educator, recognizing the fact that this is brand new for parents. And we have a lot of parents in our area where, where it's a double income household. Every, everybody's working full time. And so trying to get their work done at home while also help their small children get things done at home can be a really big challenge. And so making sure that our expectations as um, as educators are flexible so that we can offer different options for them as to when to complete assignments and how to complete assignments, I think that's really key. Mm -hmm. So we're going to shift gears and go into our final question. And I would like for everybody to think about if you could pick that number one top thing that you would like to see change in education moving forward based on the experiences that we're going through right now, what what would we, what would we do? Just pick one thing. Um, Chris, what would you pick? Well, um, I've, you know, I've, I've been pretty passionate about homework and, and the role it's played in education for a long time, as has mm -hmm. Gary, who, who wrote the book with me. And, and really, um, I think this will give people a different perspective on what homework or home learning, as we like to call it in North Rockland, could look like. It really should be about um, what are your key goals and objectives of your course? And what are things that I can offer students that they could do on their own independently at home to, to support what those goals and objectives are? And it's not about a check. It's not about compliance. It's not about doing it because I said so. It's about the learning. And it's about gaining those those core competencies, those core skills. So, um, you know, I'm optimistic that this may help move the needle a bit in that in that direction when things finally do get back to a, a little bit of a sense of normalcy. Wonderful. And we'll make sure to include a link to your book in the show notes for this podcast so that people who are interested can find it. Um, Taylor, tell me your one thing that you hope to see change in education. So this is always a struggle of mine uh, because I, I guess being a tech, tech guy, um, I always have so much I want to change. Um, mm -hmm. 
But I think for me, the biggest thing in education that I want to change is tradition. So, so many times we rely on what we've done before instead of what we can do now. And that's part of the problem we're having now is that so many people are not prepared for what's going on because we've just done the same old things instead of we've had this technology for how many years and we could have been building to this over the years and we've used as many excuses as we could not to. So uh, for me, it's the tradition of it, of, well, we do this in the classroom with this book and this thing when every book is online, every you know, our kids use these applications every day. We have things that sync them all together and make our lives easier. We just don't take that next step. So for me, it's killing the tradition and taking that role of saying it's okay to be one-to-one. It's okay to start building towards that because if they continue this stuff at home, that only builds on top of what we're already doing. It doesn't take away from it. It builds Mm -hmm. on top of it and it makes what we're doing stronger. And that's the thing I would take away. Very interesting point. How about you, Lori? Yes, I think um, building on what's happening right now and adding in the flexibility, as Taylor was saying, um, there's so many different styles of learning with the kids that kids have. And um, seeing that with my three children that I homeschooled, you know, no two kids learn the same way. And so being able to add in more flexibility um, into um, what is happening in the classroom, um, I think this is going to open up that door to see the different possibilities. And so that's what I would like to see happen. Very good. Very good. And Jen, I know we're starting to get short on time, but what's the one thing that you would like to see change in education going forward? So I'm going to build on a couple previous answers and maybe take the more controversial view. Um, but I would actually like a very fundamental change in the way we look at homework. Uh, Hope Creek actually has no homework. And it has been one of the greatest blessings of moving to Home Creek, Hope Creek. Um, the, uh, the philosophy, I think they start doing it in high school. I think they, they just have no homework until uh, high school. Uh, but uh, one of the things a psychiatrist, uh, my son, youngest son psychiatrist had mentioned was that there's, there's actually no evidence that homework actually makes a difference, not in the grand or large or meta scale. Um, you know, on, on individual things, maybe someone needs a little extra practice on something that they struggle with. Uh, but in, in terms of kids with disabilities, especially, um, especially since almost all, always they have an anxiety disorder, uh, they're often exhausted by the end of the day. They've spent all that, that brain energy, which translates to a physical energy. And, you know, approaching that homework at night can be such a huge, like, soul-crushing source of additional anxiety. Um, it, taking that away, uh, being able to, for, for my son to come home, uh, for us to have quality family time, for him to be able to pursue, uh, you know, things like taekwondo and other things, uh, as we know, physical activity actually greatly improves a, a lot of uh, these uh, issues with like ADHD and, and attention and focus and, and also anxiety, feeling more calm and contented and just general health. Um, 
it's 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 opened my eyes to I think we really need to rethink the way we do homework. And I think we really need to pull back a lot on it, especially since you hear a lot in the news reports how homework seems to be piling up more rather than pulling back. Um, and so I think that's that's what I would ask, you know, parents and educators both is let's really rethink the homework thing. Amen. Thank you. And I think that, <laughs> yeah, I also personally agree, but I think that also as we move towards um, a new model where teachers have been involved with parents a little bit more and parents have gotten more involved with the curriculum, hopefully we can have better dialogue towards that end. I want to thank you all for pulling up a seat and being part of our show today. I really, really, again, want to thank the people that um, were on our panel. Thank you, Chris, Taylor, Lori, and Jen. I appreciate your taking the time during such um, difficult times that we're all experiencing. I apologize to anyone that's listening if our internet were not the perfect, the, the sound was not as perfect as we would have liked. Thank you, guys. And please reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at the edutable we would love to hear from you the more voices in this conversation the more diverse it will be and also remember to check out the articles and videos on our website at theedutable.com and subscribe so that we can deliver all of this original content right to your inbox thank you we're so glad you pulled up a seat and we'll talk to you next time <laughs>